Hello, and welcome to the Superhero by Design podcast, a show where we interview real life superheroes. My name is Ace, and I'll be your host. On today's episode, we step into the arena of leadership and service. The man taking the stage, so to speak, is a top level leadership coach and lives his life pouring his heart and expertise into the lives of others. Please welcome to the show, Adrian Kaler. Adrian, welcome to the show. Hey, so glad to be here. Wow, it's, uh, thank you for raising the bar really high early. I didn't know I was going to be labeled as a superhero. This is great. That's right. I wouldn't have it any other way. You wouldn't be on the show if you weren't a superhero. Uh, you're kind. Adrian is an executive leadership coach and the founder, one of the founders of a business and leadership coaching company called Take New Ground. You can find more information about them at takenewground.com and also follow him on Instagram at adrian.k. That's spelled A-D-R-I-A-N dot K, as in Kaler. <laughs> All right, Adrian, you look like a guy that can take tough questions. So let's get started. Let's do it, man. Let's have some fun. How are you doing today? Uh, how am I? I'm well. I'm well. I uh, just got back from walking the kids to school. I get the honor privilege of doing that. Today, though, was a special day where I, we rode bikes to school. And I am also have my golden doodle on a leash. So a lot of stuff going on. Riding the dog. Anyway, so I just came off of the Olympics, going to school Olympics, and I'm back and I'm feeling great. Good to be here. That's incredible. I have very fond memories of growing up riding my bike and to be able to do it with my father. There's nothing mm -hmm. else like that that is still ingrained in my mind. So it sounds like you definitely prioritize family life. Oh, man. Uh, on my great days, I do. On my great days, I do. We've got, um, we have four kids. So I've got um, both my wife, my wife and I, both of us were married once before. Each of us have two kids from previous marriages. So we've been in the last, you know, been together now four years integrating these two families, which is no small feat. Um, and an 18 year old and a 15 year old and a nine year old and an almost seven year old, three boys. And then a girl, the girl's the last one and all very distinct personalities, all want to know me. I really want to know them, you know, and it's, it's a blast. So, you know, crafting that time to really deeply connect to each of them uniquely is a high priority for me. That's for sure. Well, I'm glad you have your priorities straight because it sounds like almost like an episode of Step by Step for those of you who are <laughs> old enough to remember that show. But no, that that's incredible. I know I don't have any kids myself, so I can't relate mm -hmm. personally, but yep. I appreciate that that is such a priority in your life because there's nothing like having a parental figure, whether it is biological or not. Right on. People yeah. need leadership. Well for my, the, the two older ones, like I, I call them my boys. They're not my boys. They're my stepsons. It, it has been really unique. Um, cause I was always, you know, excited to have teenagers, teenage boys only because I knew when I was a teenage boy, that's when life got really weird, you know? And I was dying for someone to really connect with me and know me and help me know myself. Really. That's probably the chief interest. Like, I don't know what's going on. What's reality now. And who am I? And why does she talk like that? And what these friends group and how do I balance everything and all the pressures in life and blah, blah, blah. I didn't really find that till much later in life. And so I was always really seeking, excited for the time that at least I would, I would give my kids a chance to have the type of conversations I wanted. You know, I can't like write, I can't choose for them to want to talk as much as I wanted to talk. 
So, but these, uh, my stepsons who I just call my sons, Grant and Kit, they're both, I mean, extremely distinct and beautiful souls and they want to talk. And so we talk all the time. Like we talk through everything. And, um, I won't go on, I won't go on too long, but even just, I mean, I'll be texting with Kit, my 15 year old all day at school. And he's like, Hey, this girl, what should I say next? And he's, you know, just got out of, was in a relationship then out of a relationship. And he's like, what do I do? And how do I think about this? And how do I, you know, it's just so beautiful. He sent me a text. How do I get over my anger? What a great question for a 15 year old to ask. I didn't ask that question. I don't know. Most people don't ask that question their entire life. He's asking it at 15. Anyway, um, it's just beautiful. I dig it, man. That uh, you took the words right on my mouth. I was going to say that is so beautiful at that, especially at that age for those young men to have yeah. a father figure that they can trust, that they can be secure with and be able to open up themselves and be vulnerable to another yeah. man. That's a beautiful thing. Even this last weekend, last story, I promise it, we were skiing up in Mammoth, um, which is like a decent sized mountain here in Southern California. And it was my crew, that's six, my wife's ex-husband, his girlfriend, and her daughter, her daughter, right? So nine of us total. I'm on a ski lift with my wife's ex-husband, whose name is Cam, and he's a world-class uh, creative. He created you know, tons of brands that you would know, most notably Drybar. That's the company they created together. Yes. Anyway, he's a stud. And he's a sweetheart, a, su a total sweetheart. We're on this, I'm going to get emotional just talking about it now. We're on the ski lift together. And I'm just thanking him. I'm thanking him for just when I'm with him, he's just uh, sweet. He's and he's of service. And he's like, you know, he's, he's just working hard and putting things together and helping organize and kind of taking the dad load off me and we're working together. And, um, you know, and he, he, I was just thanking him for that. And he just said, this is, we're doing something really amazing. Like the fact that we could all be here together and he starts to tear up and I start to tear up and sitting next to us, is um is my nine-year-old son who's just staring at us like oh my gosh what is this you know and we're like hugging on. each other on the ski lift and crying and we're both sensitive and um man it doesn't get any better than that we are doing a big thing we're doing something no one ventures to do most people pick sides and create enemies and justify and be the righteous one and finally blah, blah. and to decide to you know live now in a way that you'll be proud later that's anyway, I'm grateful for those moments. I'm not always that type of guy. You know, I frustrated and I get sideways and all that stuff too, but man, I want to cherish it and celebrate it when it happens. I think the most important, and thank you for sharing that. That is a super vulnerable story. And I appreciate you sharing that with, with me and my audience. Cause you don't know me from Adam. We met 10 minutes ago, sure. uh, but I really appreciate that. And it's so important to, in certain situations, especially very emotional situations to take a step back and kind of look at the bigger picture. It's not about you and him and your wife and his ex-wife and his girlfriend and, and all of that. It's those kids. What right example are you going to be leading for them? And it's not by the words you say, it's, it's the actions you take. Right on. And if I can get a little vulnerable myself here too, Please. I just got out of a divorce close to a month ago. It just Sorry got finalized that. and I appreciate you saying that. Um, and it was tough at times. It was yeah. very difficult. There were times when things were going well. There were times when things weren't. 
we disagreed on a few things, you know, I don't have, we didn't have kids, so we didn't have to worry about that, but it's still, you spend your life with that person for mm -hmm. so long and you're so connected and there's so many different levels and depths to the relationship. And for that, trying to just navigate out of that by itself is very difficult. And I can say as of right now, today, my ex-wife and I have a good relationship. We communicate. Yep. We, we did split the dog. So I have one dog. She has the other dog. But we, we treat our dogs like our little fur babies. And we're making the best out of the situation we can. Yep. And we don't have children or anything like that. But we both understand it's way more important to take a broad look at everything. And like you said, make the hard choices now to live yeah. a better life moving forward. And so, yeah, yeah it I'm with you, man. Yeah. I'm sorry for the loss. I, I, it's just, I know it's a loss and there's obviously reasons people get divorced and those are usually right and good, but either way it's a severing. And, um, yeah, that was something I said to myself whenever I got divorced and I was a mess at the time. And I had really, you know, been in years of self-betrayal, um, the years of betraying her, just a, just a total mess. Uh, internally and privately, you know, you still had it all together, quote unquote, on the outside, at least. Oh, I can relate. Good, I know? can relate a hundred percent. And, you know, so I was getting sober at that time. That was like six and a half years ago. Um, and had lost all my friends at that time because I'd run this kind of con on the world, um, including myself. I'm part of that world. And, um, you know, all I could say to myself then was, you better walk out of this thing with integrity. You know, I said that to myself. I mean, if I would say to someone else is why I would say, do you want to? Because that takes a lot of risk to walk out with integrity versus doubling down on stupid or in justification, um, which is really normal uh, to just kind of justify and, and, and excuse and then, you know, pick sides and all that or just walk out with integrity, like own your shit quickly and just stand there. There's nothing to do about it. When you've made mistakes, when you've blown it, there's nothing to do that you can't make that better. You can seek forgiveness. That's it. You can forgive yourself. You can make new choices, but that's it. And if you do that really well through whatever kind of season and, and transition you're in, whether it's divorce, which is a big one, or things I talk with my clients about, or just things we live with in life, there's really, you won't regret choosing to at least aim at integrity. Because I don't know if we, we can't keep it up all the time because we're not going to be perfect and we're going to be, you know, self-deceiving and all that kind of stuff too. But you know, owning, like committing to being authentic means I own how inauthentic I am. Right. If I'm not one versus just kind of trying to look good, which is so normal. So anyway, I appreciate that story and appreciate your aim. And I just, I wish with the divorce rate going up over time, um, I, I hope people decide to do it in really healthy ways because otherwise it's just got a compounding negative effect over time. Because if you don't deal with your side of the breakdown in this marriage, you will double it in the next one. And, you know, people who get divorced twice usually get married a third time and triple it over there. So anyway, I think it's a cultural issue. And I'm, I'm glad you're putting out the example of what you've done. For me, I have what I call my code of ethics. Yep. And being open and I, I don't hit the mark every time, but at least I have right. a bullseye to aim towards. Yeah, I feel like having a code of ethics, honesty, integrity, you had touched on those. Those are two yep. values that I hold near and dear to myself. And right. so when, anytime I make a decision or how I present myself, how I act, 
I ask myself, is this in line with my code of ethics? And a great thing is when you follow your gut, when your gut kind of that question mark comes up, that uneasy feeling in your stomach. For me, what I've learned is that only comes up when I'm going against one of my values or mm-hmm. one of the items on my list of code of ethics. And that mm-hmm. when I, when I notice that, and I don't notice it all the time, things can be super chaotic, or at least I, uh, to me, they appear super chaotic because I'm stuck sure. in my head. But if you have a code of ethics, a set of values, call it a North star or a compass, at least you have a star that you can follow when it comes to making the tough decisions, because it's easy to be honest and have integrity when things are going great, when, when you're not being challenged or you're not pushing against inner conflicts that you have, but it's those tough times and those tough situations, divorce being one of them. Um, people, it happens in business a lot too. Um, you know, one of the things that I always follow and, we'll jump into business at some point during this conversation, but there's, there's a quote, um, that I love and it's, there's no such thing as business ethics. There's just ethics. Mm. You can't say business is separate from your personal life. And I know you work with a lot of business owners and really it's a lot of more personal development. Business is just one of the tools, but if you're developing personally, business is a tool. Spirituality is a tool. Relationships are a tool. I hate to use that word tool, but it's for a metaphor that I'm trying to put across. I get you. you. We're very very aligned in that. That's for sure. I mean, the way I talk about these issues is, you know, I, I speak against, or I don't know, I try to call the bluff. The, like we, when we talk about work-life balance, I just don't agree with even that aim. Um, I agree with the sense of what people are after, but I think it's a really stupid idea because first off, it just sets up this zero sum game and life is this teeter totter and what's the balance, right? So like there's a perfection, there's a, there's a moment of time when things are going to be just perfect and it's this balance thing, which is obviously not going to happen. But even beyond that, it's like now you're pitting things against each other. So there's like work life and personal life and in which if one's winning, one's losing, that's not a great strategy or not a great worldview. It's pretty scarce. Um, and then, but if you do get, find that perfect thing, then all of a sudden, I mean, first off, you live in a very threatened mindset because things are now, you know, coming up against my boundaries or whatever. And I kind of live very small and like, don't mess with this or don't you dare send me an email at 10 PM. I'm going to be offended. Um, or whatever. Or now my kids are messing. I've got this thing going on and my kid's sick. And all of a sudden now my kid's my problem because he's messing with my work life. Anyway, that whole, there's a whole book there. Um, but then beyond that, if you get it just right, all of a sudden, the only thing to do next is say, stop, everybody don't move. I've got it perfect. It's so damn narcissistic. Number one. Number two is I think where you're, where you're aiming is work-life integration. Like when somebody asks me, I'll ask them a question. They'll say, well, hold on. And like personally or in business. And I said, what is the difference? Tell me, let's talk about if there's a really a big difference, which is, I think your main point there. There's ethics Correct. and there's ethics in multiple domains, but the conversation is the same and everything is personal. Everything is personal. Because if I'm there, it's personal. If I'm there, my machinery follows me and it's with me and it's there. And that's why, you know, we talk about the pattern of one where if I'm listening to someone and, and they reveal to me a pattern of their thinking, I can assume, and I do assume that that pattern's happening everywhere. And it seems like I'm a magician, 
or it seems like I'm a sorcerer. Like, how did you know that? Yeah. I'm like, well, because you're you everywhere, man. That's why. Because this makes sense to you here. It definitely makes sense to you other places. So anyway, I'm with you, man. I, I think that is a worthy aim to integrate and be honest about um, all of these. Um, you call them tools. I can get along with that as well. But just resources, I would call them more resources of how do I um, not live in a reaction to life where my brain is hijacked and I'm like spinning out and I'm in my, you know, my amygdala is going crazy and I'm in my monkey brain or whatever people want to call it. Um, but I'm in reaction mode instead of like, and which is a survival technique instead of it grounded. How do I get myself grounded so I can actually respond to life? And then, you know, I, I would call, I, at least I think about these values or these ethics as like a wall that I lean on. Like they're a, they're a backstop for me, for me. And they, you know, in some ways they're a North star, but, but they are a way of being right. They are a, they're a promise to myself. They're an aiming point. They're a, I don't know, for me, I guess it's, it's generative in that way. And then I've got some kind of physical aim or some kind of outcome aim that I've got. But um, anyway, I think everything here is really important. I, I like what you're up to. No, I appreciate you saying that. So to jump back on that time in your life when you decided, because the thing I decided throughout my divorce, so my my name on the show and, and through the book and everything is Ace. That was my superhero name that was given to me. But my name is actually Matthew. And for most of my life, I was called Matt. I just did the abbreviated version. Yeah. And I came up Real with, quick, can you tell me a superhero name that was given to you by whom? So uh, before the show, we had talked a little bit about uh, the guy who linked us together and the yeah. event that I was uh, coaching at a few weeks ago. So right. when I went to that event about a year and a half ago, part of the event was we did this, this boxing routine and essentially we're fighting for our lives. We're fighting to become champions of our lives. And so the whole weekend, we go through these series of exercises, whether it's hiking at night or I don't want to give too much away of their formula. However, you know, we do all these mental and physical exercises that push us beyond our limits and to take all these disempowering beliefs that we walk in with and dispel them. We break ourselves yeah. down. We, we go over something called saboteurs, which are essentially the voices in our head that disempower us, that tell us we're not good enough or, or anything like that. So we break all those down and then we build up what we call sage names. And then the sages are like the heroes of our lives, the people that tell us we can do it. Or if we mess up, you know, they're not shaming us or making us feel guilty. They're, they're being real with us, but promoting us to pick ourselves up and continue moving forward. So at the end of the event, we do this thing called the championship round where we get literally get into a ring with at for that event. There was a hall of fame MMA fighter that we got to fight against. And oh, wow. the night before we did this uh, ceremony where everybody was bestowed, they call them championship names. I call them superhero names and everybody um, gave each other names and the group of men that were there dawned ace onto me and i had to accept the name but once i heard the name ace i was like that is so stinking cool i am totally <laughs> taking that name so ace is a persona of myself it's just an extension mm -hmm. of of who i already am and it's the confident 
Matthew. It's the Matthew that just hits the day running, who's charismatic, outwardly friendly, joyful. And it's just part of who was in me. But if I'm able to characterize it and name it, then I can step into that persona. Like you're a father. You have to step into the role of dad, your husband. You have to step into the role of husband. Mm -hmm. When you're coaching, you step into the role as coach. Your wife doesn't want you to come home and be coached. No, and, she doesn't. And no, so she doesn't. What, and so that is essentially a long way of me saying that how you wanted to get through your divorce with integrity, mm -hmm. that was the same as me. And that wasn't Matt. That wasn't even Ace. Ace, that's not his job. And Matt was the boy who was married to my ex-wife. I had to get through that divorce as Matthew. And that was another persona. Even though that's my birth name, I never grew up using that name. But to me, Matthew is one of the parts of me that is, is a very true essence of who I am. Calm collected, level-headed, rational, doesn't get super emotional, let his emotional uh, emotions take control of him. And if I, so my goal was to get through this divorce as Matthew, who has integrity, who's open, who's honest, who also though steps up for him, stands up for himself and sets boundaries as well. Sure. And so when you had mentioned how you had gotten through yours, that just... Yeah triggered for me like i had to get through that divorce as matthew and i wasn't perfect but sure at the end of the day i can be proud of the person that i showed up as consistently throughout that whole process and now the end product is my ex-wife and i are navigating everything but we're still on on really good terms and we're going to continue going down that path it's great i dig it man when i was going through mine um, there, I, I didn't like pick a persona per se, but I did have these kind these commitments to myself, um, which were ways of being or ethics, maybe we'd call them. Um, and, and, um, they were, I would, every morning on my thumb, I would write G H G, which is an acronym for grateful, honest, and generous. Those were my, and I'd write, I mean, for like a year and a half, every morning, a pen on my thumb, GHG, which was like, okay, grateful. I want what I have. I'm right here. This is a great starting spot. Grateful for this. Thanks. Thank you, God, for that. Honest, which hits a lot of those things. Honest with other people. Honest with myself, which has been the biggest deficit. Um, and asserting for myself. And um, generous, like how I'm going to be with somebody else and myself and across the board. Like, just be generous. Like, it's just a good bet every time. Be a giver. And if I start there, instead of some kind of fearful, you know, what's somebody out to get me and blah, 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 all that. And just like, oh, I can be generous despite whatever's going on. Nobody can steal my generosity from me. I can be generous even among thieves. I can be generous. You want that? Great. Take it. You know, you want that spot in traffic? Go ahead, my friend. Have it, have at it. I love you. You know? So anyway, dig it, man. Dig it. Yeah. I love the ritual too. I'm, I'm always talking about habits and rituals and yep. the act every day, it's, I, I have this bracelet on that I wear and it says, yeah. we fight to win. It's a cancer bracelet. My yeah. mother passed away from cancer. And so Sorry for me, that. it's, it's a reminder. 
Not only mm. does it remind me of how hard my mother fought, it also says we fight to win. Mm-hmm. And that's how I fight every day. And so this anchor for me is very important. It's a part of my identity. It's a part of, yeah. of my being. But I love also that you essentially tattooed yourself yeah. every day. So you had to day. be intentional. You had to write it down and pen doesn't yeah. always come on super easily. <laughs> and you're doing that ritual every day to put on this armor. I like to call it armor. Like we put on our clothes for work. We put on our clothes for the gym. You are putting on this spiritual, emotional armor or clothing that says, okay, this is the person I'm going to be today. And then when you look at your hand, you see it every day. And it's just a subtle reminder. This is, this is who I want to be. This is the man that I want to present because also too, it is who you are. You're not, right you, you were talking about putting on a facade earlier and yep. I've, I've lived that life as well. Uh, faking it to the people closest to me and faking it to myself. Right. And I just love how you said that because that is such a power. It's so easy to do just something yep. like that. I've never heard somebody say that they did that before, but man, tattoos are, are so important in certain cultures and certain, um, people's uh, civilizations and everything. So I'd love how you tattooed it as well. I don't think, I don't know if you ever thought of it as tattooing yourself, but that that's so powerful. I hadn't thought of it as tattooing myself, um, but it's yeah, true, true. I, then the ritual really served me, you know, cause I would, um, you know, the analogy for me would be fuel probably more than armor is cause it's going to be where, what is going to fuel me? Is my fear going to fuel me? Which is a, a decent strategy. People use it all the time. There's lots of downsides to that, um, but or what's going to fuel me, and my commitment is going to fuel me. So what I'm, what I, who I'm deciding I am, despite the chaos of and the complexity of any situation, I'm deciding what's fueling me, what's pushing me in the back, like the the tailwind for me. Like I'm deciding what that's coming from, and it could be instead of survival, it's actually thriving, and I and then that's just where I'm headed, and bring it on, bring it on, and so in that way it could be like armor too, because I'll just take it. It's cool whatever you got, you know, no big deal. You're going crazy. Cool. I'm not crazy. I'm here. So whenever you want to talk, let's talk. Um, and there's some hard days going through a divorce, hard days, man. Woo. Especially if you do it honestly, man, it's harder. Oh yeah. It's, I mean, it's harder because you, you, you fuel the other side. <laughs> um, and they can, if they're playing the, if they're playing to win, they will use it against you. And it's a very tricky line, especially if it is, if, lawyers get involved because their job is their job. And a lot of them yeah. are very good at it. And it's unfortunate that yeah. it goes down that road at times. But, but if, but if I've done the work, if I've done the work on myself and I actually can show myself compassion um, and forgive myself really, and realize that all like the quote unquote mistakes, those were actually the best ideas of that guy at that time. Right. You know, I was a womanizer. I was a drunk I was a shame-based dude. I was a hider. I was, you know, whatever. Like all that stuff made sense to that guy. And I know what he thought. And I know what he felt like. And, you know, th- he was desperate and doing desperate things. And if I could see that and love him, right? Love myself, right? Love that guy and release him from all the shame and guilt that people want to hide in. I think shame is a wonderful hiding place. I don't think it's a feeling. I think it's a strategy. Um, 
it hits like a feeling because it's vulnerable. But then what we you, people use it, including this guy, plenty of times use it as a hiding place. Anyway, if I can have compassion for that guy, then he doesn't need to hide anymore. I.e., I don't have to hide. Right. So when I'm in the courtroom and she's literally reading off all of my indiscretions that I have told her about in documented form with a polygraph, with the whole thing, she's reading it off. I can, of course, be embarrassed and be hurt by that. But also it's like, I get it. Yeah. No big. I mean, yes, that's all true. And here I am. And look at me now in this fun. I'm not that guy anymore. Yeah. So bring it on. Bring it on. Can I ask you a random question? Of course. Do you have any tattoos? I do. I have four tattoos. Something you want to know what they s- are? Yeah. Yeah. Let's hear it. Well, I always thought I really wanted a real tattoo, but I waited for a long time because I didn't want anything that was cheesy and I didn't want anything I would regret. And I'm like a, you know, weird dude, meaning like, you know, deep guy, blah, blah, weird, like for lots of people, not weird for my tribe, but weird for lots of people. And so finally... Um, when my son turned six, I knew what I wanted to get. I wanted to get his name on my arm in his handwriting. And so my first tattoo was my son, his name's Scout. And it's right here on my left arm. That's cool. And then when, when my daughter turned six, I had her write her own name and I had her, so she, her name is on my right arm. So Scout and Charlie. And then when I got with Allie, um, my wife, I have her letter. So we're A and A, Allie and Adrian. I have her letter A here. And she has my letter A on her arm right there. And, um, and then right about maybe two, a month before we got married, we both got the phrase, no matter what, on our arm. Um, gotcha. yeah. Which is one of those tattoos, which is a commitment to us. It's just no matter what. We're no matter what people. So bring it on. Life's hard, very complicated, whatever, no matter what. Here I am. I love that. I love that there's deep meaning behind it. Right on. One of the re- I don't have any tattoos myself. I have an identical twin brother. He has a couple tattoos. And so I always thought I would get a tattoo, ended up not doing it. But in the back of my mind, I always thought, yeah, what if I got that, that butterfly tattoo on my lower back accidentally, or <laughs> maybe not that tattoo, but yeah, if I was 16, 18, 20 years old, I'd probably have like some punk rock or heavy metal logo tattoo, yeah. maybe, uh, who knows some, some kind of anarchy tattoo on my body. And what would I think of it today? I'm turning 40 in less than three weeks. How would the 40 year old version of me think of a anarchist tattoo on my shoulder or something like that? But I love what you said though, about that. You made the decisions at that time with the best knowledge and the circumstances and where you were living at that time. We evolve as people. If we're not evolving, we're stuck in 1983, throwing that high school football. I'm so bad. Every time I try to do a sports analogy on this show, I just, I'm like, let's throw that soccer ball in the goal. So I do apologize about that. Uh, I am an active person. Sports definitely uh, wasn't my forte and uh, sports analogies aren't the best, but you made that decision at that time with who you were. So even if I got that butterfly tattoo on my lower back, I wouldn't have been ashamed of it. It would be silly and something to laugh about and a joke, but like that is a stamp in time of who Mm -hmm. you were at that time. So I, and I feel like when we look at old photos, 
and our past, you know what? Have some compassion for that person. Have some grace right for that person because right you were, we are all just trying to figure it out. And I love the the line, you don't know what you don't know. And I know it's trite and overused, but you don't know what you don't know until you know better. Yeah. And once you know better, then you can make better decisions and hope. And then now the onus is on you. Right. So, yeah. Well, the fact that I don't know what I don't know, besides it's empirically true. Um, it's like the biggest area of possibility in our lives. You I know, love that. It, it, if you're looking for possibility, which everybody ought to, if you have any complaints in your life, you ought to go search for possibility because what you're complaining about, you've also generated. So your complaints are what you have created or what you're allowed, period. At least I say that like it's gravity. People are going to argue with that because they'd rather be a victim. But I say that level of ownership is really freeing. I mean, it's frightening, but it's freeing. Because so, you know, I don't know what I don't know is fucking really great news. Like I'm just blind to something. I'm blind. Thank God I'm just blind. And I'm not just quote unquote me. Broken. Broken, fragmented, a piece of shit, blah, blah, all of our. I was waiting for the S word. For those oh. of you listening, shit is all over the place. And I was going <laughs> to make the joke at the beginning of the show that this is going to be the shittiest episode ever. <laughs> So I, if you go to that takenewground.com website, you'll see the the word shit probably shows up. If you search for the most, most words, we, you know, the, the headline is like, we turn leadership into leadership. That's right. Um, it, it took you 33 minutes to get to the S word. You're welcome, man. I, I like to keep <laughs> you waiting. I like some wait, some, some anticipation. Yes. We think most of what's offered out there in the world is bullshit. That's the word that's on the, you know, most coaching is bullshit. And I don't mean people are, well, let me be honest. That, <laughs> what, what, anyway, effectiveness, right? If, effective. Uh, if you want to break through, you got to really own your own bullshit. That's it. I mean, there's yeah. no like good uh, innovation won't break up your bullshit. You can innovate on a Tuesday, but if you're still committed to your old ways of thinking, you're going to take that innovation and make it like the old shit, like by the next Tuesday, it, because we, be, you know, the world becomes how we approach the world and what we think about the world. Now, people don't think that that's true, but just watch and see. We end up generating what we believe, period. Like, that's not debatable. Like, that's reality. So we generate our perception. So if, anyway, a lot of the services out there in this world, um, they, they, you know, how effective are they? Um, people want to buy solutions. They don't want to buy transformation. And I know it's like foofy and shit. I get it. It's just the only thing that really lasts. And the only thing that really breaks the logjam, because you could fire the guy that you've been tolerating for six months, but the fact that you've been tolerating for six months means you're going to tolerate somebody else for six months and keep thinking it's him instead of as a leader, why do I tolerate yep. and why am I unwilling to have tough conversations, quote yep. unquote, tough conversations, what we call them so we avoid them. And why do I keep settling for shit buffets instead of eating shit hors d'oeuvres when they come to us in the first place? You know, like that's the analogy we use. It's like, when a challenge comes to us, it comes small, it's a shit hors d'oeuvre and we don't, we don't have to eat it. And most of us don't, we just send it back to the kitchen and then they bring us a shit sandwich. And then we, Oh no, I don't like shit sandwich. Okay, good. Let me send that back to the kitchen. And then they hear, they bring out the three course meals and I, I don't want to eat this three course meal. I send that, that back to the kitchen. Eventually we have a shit buffet and now we have to deal with it because that's all there is. And we could eat the shit hors d'oeuvre, but we don't want to. And that's the type of conversation that's necessary. That's why like selling a solution on like putting ice cream on top of a shit sandwich doesn't solve the shit sandwich. It might make it taste a little better for a minute, but you know, our nutrition level is way down. So yeah. 
Yeah, I, I say the same thing with a lot less cussing, but essentially <laughs> kill, kill the problem when it's small, because if it's a small problem, it's easy to kill. But if that problem exacerbates and gets bigger and bigger and bigger, now you're left with a big problem. Anytime I procrastinate from doing something even minor, like maybe even paying my dog's uh, vet bills uh, or going through insurance, now I have two dozen dog insurance bills that I got to fight with the insurance and they're late. And now it becomes a huge mess when if I spent the two minutes submitting that claim when he first went to the vet, problem solved. And so I get, and for me, procrastination is something that I work on in different parts of my life. And I realize, yeah, when I procrastinate and when these problems get bigger and bigger and bigger, now you're having to kill a much bigger problem when if you killed it when it was small, it's much easier. But then it goes back to, I need to transform myself. I need Mm -hmm. to change the way I approach these things. Because like you said, I labeled certain things as difficult. I labeled them as tough conversations. Yep. And, but that's all inside me. That has nothing to do with anybody else or anything outside of me. It's all internal. Yeah. It's just a shallow conversation. I mean, when I label something as hard, it's a shallow analysis of actually what it is. Because I mean, maybe it's hard, but that's like not even the real conversation. Like there are upsides to dealing with it. There are lots of downsides to dealing with it. There's fears and, and concerns. Those are two distinct conversations. There are different futures baked into a decision. Like, okay, like if I do, if I deal with this now, what's possible? What shows up? And then if I don't deal with this now, what future? That's what we usually don't think about. If I keep avoiding this. Um, what future am I actually creating now? Because I'm already generating a future. Like it's like that choose your own adventure book. You know, it's like as you go to page 86, you don't go back. You're just now you're dealing with the options that show up on page 86. And we don't think about life that responsibly. So yes, it's hard, but I don't, it's a lot of other things. So let's just get into a deeper, more honest conversation about it. Yeah. I Man, we're just throwing out metaphors and analogies and... and uh, <laughs> all of this. I thought about this the other day and it's so true. Like I think of a crystal ball. Mm -hmm. Well, what does a crystal ball do? It's supposed to tell the future. You look into it, you tell the future. Well, the decisions, the choices we make today is looking into that crystal ball. So that for me to choose to ignore that problem or be fearful of that problem, I'm already dictating my future. So if you want to change your future, change your decisions and your choices today and your future is going to be set. And so as you were saying that once again, I was like, man, that's like my crystal ball analogy. I got, <laughs> I got to throw it in here. I haven't said it, said it live yet. So do it, man. I love you, it. You're setting I, I me up agree. left and right, man. You're I making would agree, me, man. You're making me seem smarter than I am. You Shh. are brilliant. You're, you're brilliant. <laughs> that's what I'm here to prove. Well, I appreciate that. So for everybody listening, Adrian is the executive leadership coach and one of the two founders of a business and leadership coaching company called Take New Ground. Check it out at takenewground.com and then also follow him on Instagram at adrian.k. So I know we haven't talked much about your coaching and we probably only have about 10 minutes left or so. I would love to hear about the services you provide and what you do in in a day-to-day life in your business. Yeah. Well, um, I love what I do. 
I was made for this. Really dig it. I've had a, you know, I, I've done lots of different things in my life and I was a medical guy early and I was a nurse, an intensive care nurse, which is like, you know, funny to think about now, but it was like a couple of decades ago. Um, loved it. Loved it. Loved, love all the medical stuff and just really loved being with families in crisis. I did mostly pediatric intensive care. So like helping people deal with the worst days they've ever had before. Um, and then worked in the spiritual context, worked at a church and it was very activistic and taking people globally and kind of, and started a practice of, you know, leading lots of people. We had like a 3000 people at this church and I, about 2000 of them, I mobilized into service every week or at least, you know, once a year for people. So building leadership teams is always really fun, especially volunteer leaders. Um, which, you know, anybody that runs a company, they actually have a volunteer army. They don't think about it that way. They think, oh, I pay them so they should, which is a stupid idea because that's not how humans work. Like they're here because they want to be here or they're just faking like they're here and you haven't actually engaged with them as if they, you know, every day they have to opt in. Um, so, you know, that ran a foundation, worked in the prison system for a long time, doing leadership, trans leadership trainings with murderers, like with lifers. We did, you know, trained a batch of them and then train them to be trainers. That's how I met Dan Takini, my business partner, the other founder. And he's world-class um, at training and um, in this transformational work. And, you know, we love working with business leaders because they're at stake. And I love, we've, you know, I've coached a lot of people in many, many different industries and, and I have an aversion towards corporate America um, just because it's usually more boring um, and pretty stodgy. And, you know, anyway, the system's set up for people to hide and politic and all this stuff that's pretty cowardly. It's necessary there, but the whole system is cowardly. Um, and people aren't usually willing to like lose anything. They're just, they're, you know, they're playing not to lose uh, instead of playing yep. to win. Playing to win. Yep. So anyway, nothing wrong with folks that are doing that. I just, it's whatever. It's not what I'm that interested in. What I'm interested in people that are committed to playing to win. So those batch of people are founders of companies in my experience. Cause if you're founding something, you're all in, you better be all in. If you're great, you're all in. And they're always, you know, founders are interesting creatures, you know, because they are brilliant and ambitious and nonstop and relentless and, you know, confused <laughs> and angry. And there's a bunch going on there, right? There's just a lot going on if like your name is on the thing and it's your people and you're, you know, so anyway, I love the complexity of that and I love helping them transform into what, you know, the person they want to become and then shaping the company to actually fit. And which means lots of things for people, which sometimes a lot of them means, Hey, hold on. I was, I'm, I'm, I hate my life right now. Cause I actually don't want to lead a team. I wanted to start this thing, but I don't like leading this organization. So what do we do about that? That's, you could keep being miserable and keep making other people miserable, or you can make some courageous choices. So my work on, in the firm is a lot with founders. So I, I coach most of the stakeholders in the company. Uh, cause I love it. And, uh, I'm a fierce advocate for them. That's what we call our work. So fierce advocacy. So, you know, advocacy, I want you to get what you want. I'm really committed to that. Like, I'm not joking around. We're not making goals. We're making commitments, very different conversation. You know, what new results are you committed to create? Not what are the goals for this quarter? That's so, anyway, that's so, uh, lightweight. What are you committed to create? Like no matter what. Um, and so that's my work on a, uh, you know, I, I try to keep my coaching load low so I can create, have more time to lead my company and be out here doing stuff like this. 
but then we've, we come in and you know, run diagnostics and do a lot of science stuff with a leadership assessment. When I get off this, I'll be jumping on with a COO candidate at one of my clients and I'm betting this guy if he's got, if he's up for it. Um, and we do that. We use this, some leadership assessment tools. We use one in particular that's world-class. And so we'll do diagnostics of, of an individuals and their teams, right? So we create culture maps to give language for tension, right? So we want to know where the hard conversations are because there's tons of them. And I, every, every comp, the, the challenges in every company is in the conversations that are under the table. So we head straight there. So we don't work with everybody because most people just want a cheap solution and they want a new strategy and blah, 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 and whatever. I'm just not that guy. Yeah. Yeah. Give me a strategic, you know, plan to do this. Like, no, it's you, man. You're the problem. You're, you're surrounded by brilliant people and you keep stifling them because you're insecure. Can we deal with that? The strategy is waiting. It's here. The strategy is already here. It's you. So not everybody wants to deal like that. So we work with folks that are really um, courageous and willing, willing to take everything on. Um, and we'll come in and do leadership offsites. And our work is, you know, on that website that you saw, you know, most workshops are bullshit or whatever we said. Most trainings are bullshit because they're just there throwing content at, at complexity. And that doesn't work. You got to go jump into the complexity and explore it from inside the cave because there's lots of conversations that are dying to be had. And once they get had, then they, people can be integrated and can be aligned. But until you just throw solutions on top of problems, the problems don't go away. You got to help people own their own shit. So anyway, we're distinct in that way and we love it. And then we do a lot of coaching and I've got a great team that's growing and growing and growing. And I've found that like a lot of the coaches and consultants out there are bored. And so they love coming and playing with us. So we have a growing team. Um, and we're really, I was going to say ruthless. We're definitely so damn caring, like really loving everybody on our team. You got to love people and love them and like die for them. We don't joke around. Like if you don't want to die for your teammates, don't join this team. And even, and that sounds so dramatic. I really mean it. Like even like an ego death, like, you know what, I'm going to get off my offense. I'm going to confess my offense and I'm going to go talk with you about it because I love you and I love myself like that type of way of being on the team. So that's what we call our clients into. And so it's a blast, man. It's really fun. We've got so much work going on right now. Um, it's great. I don't know what else you'd like to know, but I'll no, stop there. That, that, that was, my mind is, my head is spinning right now because great. everything you just said is in line with, with what I feel and what I value. Like mm -hmm. I had to, for me to get here, I had to do a lot of hard work. I had to, yeah you know, Michael Jackson song, I'm staring at the man in the mirror. Like I really had to look at the man in the mirror and do the yep. work myself to transform myself. And it sounds like you've been on that journey as well, personally, to get to where you are. And that's what you're doing for all your yep. clients. And you know what, some people want the quick fix. Some people want, just tell me how to get my numbers up. Money's going to yep. solve everything. But it, we, yep. both you and I, and everyone listening yep. knows that that is not true. No. It just makes the problem bigger. It'll solve a metric. It just doesn't solve the most, the most crucial metric, which is fulfillment and meaning. That's yep. the most crucial metric. Like, do I like myself? Is my life worth it? Or am I going to keep living a complaint the rest of my life? Cause you can get more money and then you just have new things to complain about. But can I find a way to lead myself and master my own domain, like between my ears and aim myself at something worth having and generate the types of relationships that matter. And I'm actually fulfilled instead of, you know, treating myself and other people like tools, like we're actually human beings. And, you know, anyway, there's the, you and I can talk for five hours about this. Sounds like. Uh, I know we can talk about a whole lot of things. 
Yeah. Well, no, I, I really appreciate you coming on. I know we're getting up to it. Um, so I wish this conversation and I say this from the heart, like I wish this conversation could go on and on and on again. One thing I don't ever do this. I've never done this on the show. Yeah. I've got to ask for you. Okay. And this is kind of a teaser to the audience as well. So sorry, guys, I'm teasing you. Would you be willing, because you had talked about tribe. You had yep. mentioned that word a couple times. Yeah. I am a big fan of the word tribe and I have a tribe myself, but that word just gets tossed around these days, like authenticity, sure. be your authentic self. Tribe is another one of those words. Would you be willing to come back on for a shorter segment and us just talk about tribe? Because it's a conversation I've been wanting to have with somebody and I can tell you get it. And I would love to have my audience understand and fully know what an actual tribe is meant to look like and be like. And I don't know anybody better to be able to explain something like that than you. Oh, that's first off, it's kind of you. Of course, man, whatever you need, whatever you need, I'm here for it. Now I, I'm here for it. I appreciate that, man. Yeah. And that is no bullshit. We no are gonna, bullshit, man. I'm not here to fuck around. Let's like do this. That's Life right. Life is short, damn it. That, that it is. Yeah. What do we get? Maybe a hundred years, possibly give or take. Maybe that's a very short amount of time. Yeah. If we get that long, you know, so for sure, be honored to come back and honored to jump into a conversation about tribe and, and do it really honestly too. I mean, I think, I think people, uh, we talk about things so altruistically instead of like, talk about what it really takes to, you know, if I'm going to generate a tribe, I better not, I better stop generating what else I've got, which is you know, so anyway, it'd be great to have the real, you know, explore that domain, explore that conversation. Love it. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I really appreciate that. And yeah, we'll have that episode here in the not too distant future. So Adrian is the executive leadership coach and founder of a business and leadership coaching company called Take New Ground. Go to yeah. their website, takenewground.com and follow him on Instagram at adrian.k. Well, man. Like I said, we can go on and on and on again, but I know we're coming up to it. You are a beautiful man, an amazing human being. I definitely want to continue this conversation. We will, but man, it was an honor and a privilege to have you on this show. So thank you very much. Thanks so much, Ace. Love it, man. Appreciate it. Look forward to the next one. Awesome, man. Well, take care. And for those of you listening, thank you once again for checking out the podcast. I'm so blessed and honored to have everybody spending part of their day listening to me just try to do terrible sports analogies <laughs> and try to figure out this this crazy thing we called life but i really appreciate yeah. everybody and with that said have a great day ace out <laughs>